DuckTales is over. Please hold all startled utterances of disbelief for the end. Stay tuned. I wanted to name this episode Goodbye DuckTales, Wah-Ah, Like You're Crying, but I I thought that was too easy and dumb. Like, more dumb, but... I like it. Maybe maybe too elevated. Too high-brow dumb humor. Okay. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that's Chris Leva. I'm Mackenzie Worrell. We're talking DuckTales today, the finale. Um, this is how sad we are. We forgot to introduce her. We, like, we forgot how the podcast works because this has broken our hearts so much. I mean, I'm also just back from vacation, so I don't know how anything works anymore. I think that's that's what <laughs> vacation does. Oh. Um, so I guess let's, uh, as much as we can be non-spoilery about a series finale... I well, feel like a series finale is basically like all your spoilers from start to finish. <laughs> yeah. Like we're just giving you spoiler. It's the payoff of every single spoiler ever. It's the ultimate spoiler. It is. It's it's the last spoiler. Oh, well done. Ah. Uh, yeah, so maybe there, there there is no non-spoiler section of this podcast. Then. There. I said it. No non-spoiler <laughs> section. It's all spoilers. If you haven't seen the DuckTales finale yet, if you haven't seen DuckTales yet, um, what are you doing with your life? Go to Disney Plus right now and watch the first two question mark seasons that are already on there. And season three will be added at the end of April. So by the time right. you've watched two seasons, hopefully you will have taken enough time that season three will be up there. And hopefully it's in the right order. Oof. Oof. Too real. Um, love you, Disney Plus. Hire us to do something. Uh, yeah, I don't know what, but if, just make sure your animated shows are in the correct order. If Apparently somebody needs to do that. But DuckTales, 2017 to 2021. Yeah. Real. Period at the end of that sentence. I was... Let me say this just as I'm just going to fanboy out just slightly, just slightly. But I was not ready to say goodbye to this iteration of DuckTales. It was feels like it was taken too soon. I know that we want to talk about like satisfying endings is going to be one of our conversation points. But I was not ready for this iteration of these characters to be over. I wasn't either. I was very sad to hear the news. Like I was like, had to pause. It's like when a celebrity really like dies, when a show that you love gets canceled, it's like, Oh, and I, I guess I, we should start this conversation by saying also like the world of DuckTales apparently is continuing in podcast form. Uh, so listen to that when that publishes that Disney does whenever that is. The first episode is available now. This oh. Duckburg life. Uh, we started listening to part of it, but it was a little too painful to listen to right now okay. for me. Not not because of quality, but like emotionally, like I was not ready. It was really funny. And I'm like, I'm not ready to laugh yet. I'm still in mourning. Yeah, still too raw. Yeah. Yeah. I love the characters. Um, I'm a sucker for a world building show that gets very convoluted very quickly and I mean that in a complimentary way to DuckTales. It absolutely did that. <laughs> like just watching, because again, we are in a, a full spoilers podcast episode. Just watching the end credits, like the amount of main characters going by. Like we didn't even get to the B characters in this parade. Like there's so many people <laughs> to follow right. and love. And you get more in the finale. You get new characters in the finale. <laughs> Oh, that's right. We do. We get two new characters in the finale. Two and a half, I'd argue. Well, you're right. <laughs> you get Keith David. 
Ah, that was fun. So how does the finale, I, how do I want to start this question? Okay, how does season three overall fit into how the storytelling of DuckTales has been going? And how does this finale, the culmination of that season three story? Well, does that make sense? Yeah, I think I get what you're asking. I will qualify this by saying I, I'll provide my, my Mackenzie answer here. I'll try to sum it up with a nice bow. I'd also uh, love to get the tell all book of um, what could have been, what would have been, and what was for DuckTales 2017 and when they published that book in 10 years for the dozens of us who still care at our fans and <laughs> go to DuckCon. I don't know. Um, season three. Well, I, I'm going to take a slightly wider view. Um, we didn't know how the show would be structured in season one when we got season one. And Frank and Gone said on Twitter along the finale, along with the finale, that they went into every season thinking it was the last and kind of structured it so it would have a satisfying arc on its own. And season one is all about Dewey Duck and his growth and what he does and how that is. He's the main character that season. Mm-hmm. And season two is all about Louie Duck and his journey and how that relates to everyone else. And he's kind of the frame point of that. And season three opens with Huey and the junior woodchuck. So we kind of like, you know, the pattern at the beginning of season three, like, oh, it's, it's Huey's season. Finally, we get that. That's what's coming. Um, So we have this whole season kind of orchestrated around planning and things not going to according to plan and kind of the more brains and less the bravery and the talking people into things, but the brains of things, um, so the season three finale slash series finale uh, has Huey Duck as one of its main characters. And I say one of, right. um, because I think I had this feeling all along and I think the finale kind of cements it that Webby Duck is, or not, sorry, Webby Vanderquack. Spoilers for our spoiler show. <laughs> More like Webby McDuck. Webby McDuck is the secret main character of the whole show. Mm. Um I've kind of felt that for a while, but I think that in the finale, you get the finale of Huey's season, but it's also the finale of like Webby's three season show thing. Um, And then also after like not having a lot of Launchpad for a while, it's also Launchpad's like main character episode. So you have these three main characters, I think for the, the finale, Mm -hmm. because everyone else is more or less like wrapped up and the finale puts, it hits every main character and it gives you like a nice button at the end of their story. But uh, Huey, Webby, and Launchpad were the only ones that really had unresolved things left to go through. Mm-hmm. I think that's a really good way of putting it. I think I didn't have a chance to go re listen to our episode on um, Nothing Stops Stella Duck, where we did our huge breakdown of that and analyzing the storytelling and talked about the seasons in that sense, you know the Dewey, Louie, Huey seasons. And I, but I think we guessed, we said, if there's, you know, season four will probably be Webby's season if they continue that. And I think that would still hold true given what we discover. I think that would definitely be hers, but it wouldn't be about discovering things anymore about her. It would just be new adventures after that. Yeah, I think that makes sense because it's she feels. I yeah, I think the last episode we talked about with. um, I forget which episode it was of DuckTales. It's the the pier and the penumbra episode and they go here. Yes. It feels like Webby's very much like at. at the end of her character arc in that episode, she's showing Penumbra around like, here's a cheeseburger. It's this great thing that I discovered in the first episode that I said I was going to do. And she feels like she's very much found her place in the family in the world and has her moment. Um, and what the 
the rest of the season does after that, culminating in the finale especially, is really like taking that away from Webby and saying, you think her character arc has ended, but what if it hasn't? What if her being the expert at this and finding her place um, isn't her real place in all this? And so we get a very plot-dense finale. <laughs> That's a lot of Webby in it. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's interesting. I, I thought it's a great take. Again, I, I feel like Webby's a secret main character of the show. Um, I'll defend that. I Well, I think the pilot sets you up to be that. Like, the the pilot episode is really showing you Webby's, it shows her map of everything, of the whole McDuck family, and it shows her off to the side, and she's, like, trying to connect to things, and she just has a love of everything McDuck. Like, she knows everything about Scrooge. She knows, you know, how he likes his tea, and she's just obsessed with wanting to be a part of this great adventuring family, even though she doesn't quite know anything about that family. And I think it, it could be two different things. Cause I think we discussed in nothing, can, nothing can stop Della duck. When we discussed that there's this moment where you see Huey, Dewey and Louie's reaction to Della coming back and Della returning. And then you see Webby's reaction to their reactions, which is, she's just crying. She's just like, ah, which is like this outsider audience character. Like she represents us. Like she's the us reaction to everything that's going on. And I think what's really, this really interesting idea of, of things is saying, you know, you all fans thought you were outsiders to this, but you're a part of it. You're still this family. Mm-hmm. You're, you're actually the true heirs of McDuck. You are. You went deep. That's how I, it was a weird feeling for me. It was like, cause she, she always in a, a way represented audience slash outsider. And I'm going to say this too. Um, there's a, a fear that I have of, in a story of found family, linking somebody to a such an important character in such a really decisive way to be like, oh, she's Scrooge's daughter clone. And I feel like I wouldn't have a problem with it at all if it didn't come on the tails of another Disney huge film that ended with tying somebody as a daughter of a clone of somebody really important. Oh, yeah. I didn't even link that at all to Star Wars that's in how, my head. That's how my brain went, though. My brain was like, oh, no, it's this. And But What's- I tried to take it in the story as it was and not, like, link it to anything else going on. But... It's kind of a compare and contrast, too, because, I don't know, it felt, I, I'm one of the people, I like Rise of Skywalker. I don't really have any major problems with it. Could things have been done better? Maybe, but were things bad? I don't know. Um, but it did feel like if we're comparing and contrasting these two clone daughter things being related to someone important, it felt like Webby's story was more... earned and made much more sense from a, a villain plan perspective <laughs> overall. Mm. If you need to Why send it to necessary. Scrooge McDuck to do the thing and you can't get Scrooge to do it and he doesn't have any kids, like, what are you going to do? Well, we live in this world of science and magic. Let's clone Scrooge McDuck. Like, obviously. Right. Like, oh, yeah. Why didn't I think of that as an audience member? It was a, such a good twist for me. It's like, oh, I get your plan. And it was unexpected. Instead of, I don't get your plan, and this feels a little too predictable. (laughs) (laughs) 
you just took it, you just made an easy choice and you're bending your plan to work with making this choice that you made for the story. Yeah, that's exactly it. It felt more like they decided in my head what I choose to believe how the creators craft the plot episode here. Um is that they decided to make Webby related to Scrooge McDuck because it served the story they were telling mm-hmm. and not making her the daughter of Scrooge McDuck and then trying to make the story work around that. Well, one interview that I read uh, was that their end game with Webby was known since the pilot. Oh, well. Then they did a really good job getting there and surprised, at least me. <laughs> yeah, um, they talked about how her hair style tufts out so that, you know, when you look at it a certain way, she has the tufts just like Scrooge does because of her hair coming off the, her particular hairstyle, the way her hair is done. Um, and they talk about the different ways that she stands um, there's the one where she's like, I'm going to go eat a cheeseburger. Like the first episode that you were talking about, she's in the same stance as the statue of Scrooge that's behind her. When she says that, like, I'm going to have this amazing adventure of <laughs> you know, hamburgers. Um, but then there's the episode later on where she's literally becoming Scrooge. Oh, yeah. I love that that episode where she's like getting old and kink takerous, just like with a cane, and ah, and I guess Scrooge gets younger. That one with Goldie, that was a fun. In some ways, that's like mom and dad, and that's something else that I appreciated in the finale was. <laughs> I love the bait and switch of the story from the story early on of Louis trying to watch the finale of Ottoman Empire. And, like, they open the box and, like, the Ottoman Empire brothers, like, dad is in there. It's like, dad, it's you. It's like, are the Duck brothers going to find their dad? Is that what this is foreshadowing? Like, what's the dad here that this is doing? But I also like the show doesn't feel a need to investigate every familial link. Like, it wanted to answer, like, who is the mother of Mm -hmm. Huey, Dewey, and Louie? But it never asks the question who the father is. And that's okay. I feel like Della is known. Like Della, as we've talked about, was in comic books. Like one comic book (laughs) before. (laughs) Like I think a Dutch comic book. So she was established. And now it's just a matter of rewriting her story to fit into an overarching story for this run on this particular comic book-esque show mm-hmm. and then there is i'm trying to think there there's never been any reference to their father at all in any media ever so the question that we started this podcast on like Who's their mother? Who's their father? Like, we've got one answer, and I feel like we're never going to get that other answer. But that's okay, because they never felt... I mean, I... I, While we're talking... Like, you're talking about your uncomfortableness with, like, needing to link a character to someone important. But also, I... (laughs) I don't feel engaged by stories I always have a need to investigate every single possible link. Like they don't talk about Webby's parents hardly at all throughout the series either. You get a little bit about like these fake question mark parents mm, <laughs> of Webby's yeah. in this episode. And Beakley's clearly has a backstory of something made up possibly, or maybe she did have a child and that is the real story. And that child is gone. We don't know but we don't have a compelling need or reason to investigate that in the show. Right. Like we only investigate the familial connections that are relevant and not just have to explain everything. Well, to be fair, the theme song does promise that we might solve a mystery. It doesn't say <laughs> we will solve the mysteries. It just might won't, solve a mystery. We don't need to solve all the mysteries. We'll just, we might solve a mystery. 
or rewrite history. We're not going to do both, like one or the other. And they do rewrite history. Very few hurricanes in the show, though. I mean, but it is like a hurricane, I feel like. But every other simile in the theme song happens in the show. Where is my hurricane? Well, there was the hurricane. There was the time. Oh, was that the Atlantis one? Oh, the time hurricane, yeah. But I feel like there's, there's also the danger of Bradford, who becomes the ultimate supervillain, who resists becoming a villain, but... But his motives become this giant, massive storm of a person. I also, after spending the season kind of feeling like so-so about Bradford as like the antagonist for the season, I think the finale like completely disproved me. Like, oh, okay, I get his arc and I get his story now. And I love what they did with it. Of He's just professing again and again, I'm not a villain, I'm not a villain, I'm not a villain. And I think... Most people in their lives aren't cartoon show villains. No one thinks they're the villain. Mm-hmm. And that's what they did with Bradford. And I really appreciated that of like, it doesn't matter what you think you are. Look at your actions. And the Sword of Swanson team amplifying who you are inside. Like, we're not making you the villain. You are the villain because of what you're doing and what you want. In in one case, I mean, he's a he's an interesting parallel to Huey, Dewey, and Louie and their great uncle, and he and his grandmother, which was a fun thing to get. That's there's another mystery that got solved um, to see. You know, he was the first woodchuck, and as Ludwig von Drake says, he was. Diversed um, woodchuck, like one of the. I was so glad he was back. Um, I just love Ludwig von Drake. Like, I, f- I feel like he's basically Doctor Kramer. I didn't realize this until just now. I have, I have this character that I write plays about, and it's basically like Ludwig von Drake, but dangerous. I could see that. More dangerous. <laughs> Um, oh yeah, I just never got around to it. Like you didn't get around to dying or aging. Yeah, I'll, I'll take that explanation within the world of the show. But cool, <laughs> it's in character and uh, works in the world we've established. I'm alright with that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, how did he? Yeah, <laughs> it's it's one of those like it's a cartoon show. Move it on, <laughs> kind. Of kind of moments which you have to forgive uh every so often like if there were too many of those i think i would be like it would be unsatisfying but because there's like one maybe two i would like to know if they knew that this was the last episode for real for real not just like they go into every season thinking it's the last season if they knew this was the last episode before they started working on it because it feels like there's a few like bucket list things in this episode like Ludwig, they just kind of brush over. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, it works. I'm not complaining. Uh, I don't know. And of course, the, because I didn't watch this right away, because I couldn't get access to it right away, Chris, of course, was texting me like, did you watch it? Did you watch it? Did you watch it? <laughs> and I didn't know that he was asking me because there was a Gargoyles reference in the show. <laughs> and that's what you wanted to talk to me about. <laughs> Um, but that, my my immediate thought of seeing the Gargoyles reference of having Manny the Headless Horseman turn out to be like this evil, like Hellboy-like horse of the apocalypse that regenerates, voiced by Keith David with the Gargoyles theme playing, was like, I pictured the moment from Avengers Infinity War where like little Gamora goes up to Thanos and is like, what did it cost? And he goes, everything. Like the Gargoyles reference cost us DuckTales. <laughs> That's a rant, but um, bucket list things. Like, cool, you got permission to do everything on the bucket in the finale. Which is nice. It was nice. It was fan service without feeling like fan service, you know? 
I feel like it was enough. Like Rochelle didn't laugh at that at all. Um, because like I started laughing the moment the music started. Um, and just the first time I was the first time it threw me off. I was like, wait, is that a gargoyles reference? <laughs> I live again. I was like, oh, I feel like that's a, is that from the thing? Cause we, thankfully we had just rewatched it and I'm so glad that we, you know, watched so much of season three. So like I had that in my brain. Um, and then the big one with the actual theme song and it was like, oh, it is. I recognize the theme song. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I want to say thank you, Mackenzie, for having us revisit Gargoyles. I I do think, speaking of revisiting things, I do want to revisit the entire series again to see what seeds are planted and what things are paid off. I feel like I did a disservice to myself of not rewatching things except the pilot. I rewatched the pilot before I watched the finale just to see. I love watching the bookends. Um, but there was a lot that happened in at least in the third season alone with just the missing mysteries and the the journal and the papyrus and the sword of swans like all these things were building up and building up and building up. And it's like, wait, what have I missed? Like, oh yeah, that's when she pulled the feather from Webby, but I can't, it was just, there was just a lot of things that paid off that it's like you were, hopefully you remembered all this. I think definitely having a, a mid-season delay because of the pandemic probably didn't do any service. It might have been easier if we didn't all have like a giant, I forget how long the hiatus was. Four months, something like that. It was like a season so. break between the halves of the season. Because you mentioned the feather plucking. It's like, I just assumed that was something they mentioned that happened off screen. Like, oh, that happened in an episode. I'm yeah. sure I saw it. Yeah, I remember that. I'm like, oh, yeah, that happened. Whose feather was that? That Was that Webby's feather? Like, I'm just trying to. Because Heron is holding it. She's like, I got the thing. <laughs> boom, bam, boom, bam, boom. Like, I, I remember that distinctly. But I could be misremembering it, too. I can't remember. I'm, I'm almost 42. Like, I can't remember these things. You have to think about your age. 42. Well, it's my birthday month, and I'm like, have I had my birthday yet? I'm like, no, I haven't had my birthday yet. <laughs> I mean, I'm like that, too. When, once I hit 30, I'm like, I'm th in my 30s. I'm somewhere in there. I don't know where, but I'm, I'm in there. <laughs> Maybe in the, the middle-ish somewhere, plus or minus a few years. So what does this mean for us as middle-aged men? who watched this show, what is it, what did we get out of it? Well, I know we were talking before the recording about the difference between our experiences. Of, you've watched a lot of the Disney afternoon block, including DuckTales. And I saw Gargoyles and was aware of Tailspin and DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> when this was on in the late 80s, early 90s. Right. I think we definitely have different experiences. Um, like, like I, yeah, I, I think I could get all the references without having to necessarily look them up. Um, so everything from, I watched DuckTales, Definitely watched Rescue Rangers. Definitely watched Darkwing Duck and Tailspin. I watched The Wuzzles. So when those came out, I'm so glad that I don't go see like the Comic-Con previews and stuff so I could be surprised and be like, oh, it's Butterbear. Oh, and it's Rhinoki. Oh, and The Rock looks like Bumble Lion. 
How awesome. Oh, that's a reference? Yeah. The stone oh. of what was? Oh, Wuzzle. Wuzzles. Uh, the rock is shaped like the character Bumble Lion. And then Butter Bear, who's half butterfly and half bear, is a cute little thing. And then, but like, is a terrorizing giant bear butterfly. And Rhinoki is a cute little thing. You should look them up. I, I'm, I'm looking it up right now. Look them up. And you could be like, oh, that's what they were referencing. The image is so blurry and small. Curse you, 90s resolution. <laughs> I'll take your word for it. Take my uh, word for it. Yeah, also, but see, I, it, it stands on its own. Like, you don't need to know. I didn't need to know. I still, like, enjoyed that episode and had a right. good time. And I, I right. love the butter bear without knowing that it pre-existed. Right. I was like, oh, it's butter bear. It's, and then you have fluffy dogs that, that showed up at some point. And then you have, oh, what was that other one? Bonkers was even in there for a little bit. There was no more supalami. And I guess that's all right. I'll, I'll deal with that. Dare you I don't ask who Marsupalami is? Is this a setup for a bit? No, it's <laughs> Marsupalami is a creature who looks like spotted like a cheetah with a really super long tail. Oh, that thing. I've seen that somewhere. Yeah, it was on a show called, was it Raw Tunage? Um, where yeah. they like did some things, and then he had his own show. Is that is this related to Disney at all? Rotunage was yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. it was like Saturday Night Live, but Disney characters. So, for example, one episode, Don Carnage was the host, and then at the end, he was had a sword fight with Captain Hook, if I remember correctly. And I was like, "What is this?" So it was like pastiche mashup collage, postmodern Disney, before they knew how to like do it well. Maybe I watched this. I don't know. My sister's really into the Little Mermaid, so like, raw tutage having a Sebastian the Crab segment sounds like something we would have watched. Well, it it was. What year was it? Was it ninety seven? That, that, that Raw Tunage came out in 98? 1992. 1992? Okay. Okay, 1992. That's fine. <laughs> it's going deep into the time abyss there. I know. I'm having a hard time remembering. Back in the 90s, there was a TV show about a... I have a hard time now. Like DuckTales 2017, which was four years ago. <laughs> anyway, so somebody with my, I don't want to say extensive, my, my experience with all these shows, gummy, I forgot gummy bears, you know, of course, but all this, all this stuff of going through these shows and then um, I don't feel like they're just references. I feel like. I, th- I think they've said this in an interview once. It's you, you buy all the action figures for all the things you love, and then you play with them all the worlds together and you make it make sense. Hmm. You know, it's like having prequels, figures, and, you know, original trilogy figures, and somehow there's a story there, and you get like the Mandalorian or you get Solo. You know, like, I've been out with the Lego Star Wars Christmas special, but yeah. Well, that too. But I think, I think our generation, because I think there are a couple of generations that spans the writing team, but I, I think we are more apt to connecting things together. Like, yes, it's bold and makes sense to connect. Darkwing Duck to DuckTales because there's an obvious launchpad link and you do it in your brain anyway. But finding a way to connect DuckTales the movie, okay, that makes sense. That's still the DuckTales world. 
but then also going through everything in the Disney afternoon and beyond, it's then like, that's a feat and that's super fun. And I, you know, I, I think about Jack, like not knowing who some of these characters are. So he's not laughing at things. Um, like I, even Rochelle, uh, my wife wasn't laughing at things like the moment that, well, let's talk a little bit about Donald Duck in this episode, because the first, the original DuckTales series, the first episode is Donald dropping off Huey, Dewey, and Louie with Scrooge so he could go to the Navy. And he's just gone for most of this series. Deadbeat Donald. Deadbeat Donald. And now we have Donald, who's very much a father figure for the kids. Um, still here and there, you know, not in every single episode. I miss him when he's not there. But still very much trying to figure out who he is and what he wants. And he has a nice arc where he's trying to support kids and he's given up adventuring. And he's the father to them. And he's like living a life that's been put on him in a sense. Not that he regrets it. Not that he is angry about it because he knows what his duty is. But he's taking care of somebody else's life. Mm -hmm. And then once Huey, Dewey, and Louie get their mother back, it's him trying to figure out, well, what's my life now? What am I doing? And so he decides to go on this new adventure with Daisy. Daisy, this is my new adventure, he says so eloquently for Donald Duck. Um, and he has on his hammock, he has his new Hawaiian shirt. And I'm like, that's what he wore in Quack Pack. So I start laughing really hard. And my wife's like, what are you laughing at? Like, oh, that's 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 what he wears in Quack Pack. And it's just like little things like that, that it's a character thing and it's a callback, but it's totally in line with where he is as a character and what's next for him. Yeah. And of course, the next thing for him is what happened in Quack Pack, which is I'm going to live, I'm going to get a job, I'm going to be a family man, and that's going to be my adventure. I'm going to have a family and I'm going to choose my own life. I really enjoyed how Donald and Scrooge spiritually switched places by the very end of the finale. Because Donald, of course, goes from what you described of trying to protect the kids and be overprotective to like, I'm going to go on an adventure, find my own spot. And in the premiere, Scrooge is kind of like longing for adventure and feeling like he can't have the thing that he wants. Um, and then in the finale at the very end, he's putting the life vest on Webby <laughs> that Donald was doing in the premiere episode mm -hmm. with Huey, Dewey, and Louie. It's like, ah, yes, we found the balance. Webby has brought balance to the force of DuckTales. <laughs> <laughs> it's all about her and him. So I think if there were, and we all play conjecture, like if it were a, a fourth season, it would be Webby season, I think. Mm -hmm. And it would have to be something new. Like there would be no Donald. There would be no Daisy. I don't know. We, we wouldn't get um, May and June. Which, that was another fun callback. I was like, wait, May and June? Who's April? Who's April? That, that means April what is April? Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Now, that would have been something I wouldn't see coming. <laughs> She's part human. What? <laughs> How does this work? But, um, so in terms of what this finale does to close the story and be a satisfying end to the story overall, how do you think it did? I am 100% completely satisfied. I feel like there's nothing missing hmm. from what we have. I feel like all 
all the plots are wrapped up, all the characters have a satisfying arc that is completed. I don't feel like there's any emotional cliffhangers. There's hints for emotional more, but I don't feel left hanging on any of that. Like I can envision that in my head and not go like, what happened to them? I can just go like, Mm. I can imagine what happens to them. If that makes sense. I think it does make sense. I want to hear a little bit more about that. So I, cause I feel like it's very rare for a series finale to, to end in a satisfying way because you want closure. You want to wrap everything up, but I really also love knowing that the characters are continuing in some way, like the world goes on in some way. I, I really liked Donald moving away as part of the impetus for the finale. Uh, and why I think that, re- that works really well for finales and ending things is you can imagine the world going on, but the story's ending because not all the characters are together anymore. We talked about this with the end of um, Harvey Girls, too. Mm-hmm. Um, with Lada moving away at the end of that. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> it's And while Donald isn't like a main, main character, he's a main character. Uh, and it's nice to hear, have Della dealing with something ending for now. They always have what they are and the relationship is going to grow and change again. Uh, but they're not going to keep doing what they're doing now. And it's a nice Mm. vehicle for we as an audience to put those emotions into the plot of the show and kind of grapple with that as it's happening. Hmm. That's a good way of putting that. Especially watching the finale a second time, I'm just listening to Della try to talk Donald into staying. Like, I'm not ready to give it up yet. She is. She expresses everything that I was feeling. Right. She just got back. Like it just that that story just feels like it just got started. In in a sense, we just got Della back. By the way, I do want my Della action figure. Where is that? Where Where is that? Why don't I have a Della figure? And hopefully, she sticks around in other media somehow. Well, then when they decide to reboot DuckTales again in like a um, some other form in 15 years, you and I just have to go like, we don't want to reboot it. We just want to do like a sequel movie with Della. So let's do that. Yeah, I just, I just want to see Della at Disneyland. That's all. Is that so much to ask? Della Duck at Disneyland? I mean, it is hard to say three times fast, but... <laughs> Della Duck at Disneyland. Della Duck at Disneyland. That's why I didn't do it a third time, because it's hard. She gets staying power, maybe. I, I don't see anything usurping Daisy, though. Well, no. But I only have one girl duck on passes and things. <laughs> I don't know if my look came through the audio, but... <laughs> I mean, that's something else that they gave us. They gave us a, a whole world of interesting characters. They made every character interesting and stayed away from stereotype. Everyone from Gandra, who was terrible in the original DuckTales. Um, oh, see, again, didn't know that that was based on anything. Yeah, look up, if, if you search for Gandra D, DuckTales, it's a bit... Pretty, pretty awful. Oh. Oh, no. <laughs> oh. That's a lot to take in. <laughs> what was her thing in the original? Did she do the same thing? No. No. She was... A secretary, I believe. And 
she just existed to be a love interest for Fenton. That is a product of its time. Yeah. Yeah, the DuckTales 2017. I mean, I've told you, I wasn't like, you You were the DuckTales fan going into this. And I was like, I am a, aware that this happened. <laughs> um, and the reasons I, even though I didn't watch it much as a kid, the reasons that I as an adult couldn't get into like the OG DuckTales were like lack of nostalgia because I didn't watch it. Um, and things that just kind of like made me uncomfortable. And I wasn't really interested in a show with like three identical clone boy characters that like this side character baby girl and they all had the same thoughts all the time and DuckTales 2017 developed characters out of these things that people had nostalgia and love for and there's probably good at the core of that in the first place and will I ever rewatch the OG DuckTales? No (laughs) I won't (laughs) personally but I really love what it's transformed into and I think they did such a good job making like you said, a world of characters out of all this. Mm-hmm. And I know that some people take issue with character-based storytelling where the storytelling is more about the character change than a plot, so to speak. Like, I feel like there's plot-based storytelling and there's character-based storytelling And I personally fall on the side of character-based in my writing all the time because I think that's more interesting. Um, But I've, I've read a couple of criticisms that say the plot doesn't work because it's all too character based. And I'm like, what are you, what are you talking about? Like what plot comes from character? Like why, why are you upset about this? Um, like it's, it's, it's constructed from the character, like what the characters want, what the characters need and how the characters change. They're, they're completely different people, each and every single one of them from where they, where we meet them. I'm not going to profess that I'm like, as an unpublished writer, like the one who, who knows secret code or anything, but I, I do think it's a give and take between plot and character I th- anything that is just pure plot based I find boring like I don't really care about this happened then this happened then this happened then this happened this happened you can put any character in there and it's the same the same story the same movie and I think you see that a lot in modern media the things that things the DC movies um, it just feels like you could put <laughs> You're just putting different names on the thing and it could be the same DC movie again and again and again and again. It doesn't feel like hardly anything unique happens in those movies. And I know that I'm a long outstanding critic of that. But when I try to think of something personally that I want to write, it may start with an idea of plot. Like, oh, that'd be cool to see visually. But then I start thinking about like what kind of character would exist with that plot and what kind of change would happen for that character around that plot because that's what makes the plot interesting it's how a character experiences the plot not the thing happening itself Hmm. so the journey of DuckTales 2017 as we see it is the journey of the Duck family coming to terms with actually being the duck family. (laughs) Yeah. Like having their lives together and making the choices and being uniquely themselves. And the finale pushes that further into a place of discomfort that you don't get in sitcoms of it's not just them having their lives together and that's forever. It's them having their lives together. And that family may grow and shrink and change over time, but that's still having their lives together. It's not just this one magic, like, freeze frame ending, and that's what we have forever. It's 
these characters will continue to grow and go on as a family. Mm. Both the found family and family by blood or cloning. <laughs> Genetic, that's what I mean. Genetic family. Genetic family. Oh, that's going to be a buzzword in 30 years. <laughs> Is there anything else we would like to say about the storytelling of this and how I'm, I'm glad we got, it didn't get um, canceled at season two. Like I'm, I'm glad we got a season three. Yeah. I think while I wanted more, I think three seasons was like the minimum, <laughs> the minimum best effort to like really give everyone time. And the last thing I'll say about the finale that I really liked because we mentioned Launchpad at the beginning of our recording. Oh, yes, as the third main character. Yeah, putting the butt on Launchpad as, like, he has been kind of bumbling and it's kind of like this comic relief character for a while. The, the button of his plot being, you inspire heroes, so you are just as good as us. It's like, oh, mm. yeah, that's what I needed for Launchpad. That's what was missing here. That was a really nice moment. It makes me tear up every time. Hmm. Yeah, I was not expecting his that that particular shift, but I guess he's also us too, because he's the fanboy. Yeah, he's Launchpad and Webby are both the the fans and the audience vectors, but Launchpad is much more like the "this is cool" uh, fan, and Webby's like the "I have a theory" fan. Yeah. I see how it all connects, fan. Yeah. Launchpad doesn't care. Does it look cool? He just loves it. I just own all the stuff. Yes. <laughs> I think the best fan is both of them. <laughs> but I can't own all this stuff if I don't if you don't make the Della action figures. And I know they don't have control over that, but there's supposed to be a second wave of action figures, and I should have a Gizmo Duck and I should have a Della. They should be on my shelf already. Guess who have not? To program multiple computers to stream DuckTales and Disney Plus nonstop and <laughs> show the streaming metrics are good and they'll make make products. Isn't that the plot of the next Space Jam? I don't know. That's a anyway, topic for another podcast episode. It is. <laughs> Eventually. Spoilers. <laughs> Chris, did you have a favorite thing or thing? Things from the finale and or DuckTales. I, okay, I, I will say this. One of my favorite things from the first adventure episode, because I went back to rewatch that to, to, because I was like, when did this papyrus come into things? I totally forgot. Um, <laughs> I rewatched that and they were, Scrooge was telling Donald and Della the story of the pilot episode of the original DuckTales. And I was like, oh, I love that he's telling them that. And I was just excited by that. He's, you know, this, where they're, I don't know if you, how, how, know how much you know the theme song to the original DuckTales, where they're running and the thing is collapsed, the ground is collapsing beneath them and they jump. That's from the pilot episode. And he's telling about that moment. In, in that episode. But in the finale, my favorite thing is you know what's going to happen. It's another thing of, uh, I, was, I just keep talking, good comedy is satisfyingly undercutting or doing what you, you know, it's giving into the audience's expectations in an unexpected way. So the Gizmo Duck suit is on the ground and it's saying, awaiting new user and just waiting for it, waiting for it, waiting for it. And you know what's going to happen. You know that Launchpad is going to be that new user. It's all been leading up to this. And the, the 
the camera pans around and you have this moment of, I believe in you, Peter, kind of like, you know, that whole feeling like we believe in you and all the lights come on and all the cells and he looks around and the music swells and I'm getting goosebumps remembering it. And he sits there and it's like, say it. And then he just goes, blabbity bluebird. <laughs> like he just completely butchers it. And you know that he was going to, like, you know, he was going to try to say it. And I was like, he's going to get it wrong. And it was just so satisfying when it happened because it, it was just not undercut. But then the suit's like, eh, close enough. <laughs> like, that, I think the suit being like, sure. Like, like that's, that's my favorite thing. It's like the suit is just the one thing because there was that expectation that he would get it wrong. But I was not <laughs> expecting the suit to be like, uh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I'll give you this. Uh, yeah. Long long way to say that moment. <laughs> I can't say. I have a favorite comedy thing and a favorite drama thing. Mm. Uh, I think my favorite comedy thing uh, we used for the beginning of our episode. Please hold all startled utterances of disbelief for the end. Like, it's just <laughs> such a... It's so in character for Bradford to be mad and specific about being interrupted in his presentation. <laughs> <laughs> and it plays on a given trope of please hold, please hold all questions for the end. Um, but the startled utterances of disbelief is just <laughs> funny. Like, that is just such a line. Sketch comedy specificity, and that <laughs> nailed the specificity. Like, that is that is what it is. And he was mad about it. Um, and my favorite drama moment is when Scrooge signs the contract and Bradford begins to, the countdown. Like, I'm going to kick Donald Duck into this eraser reality thing. Five, I'll do it. And there's no stringing out the tension. It stays in character for Scrooge. Like, I'll sign the contract. I'm stopping you right away. I'm not going to draw this out with your countdown. I'm going to do it. Donald professes. And rather than doing this theatrical, like drawing out the tension still, Scrooge just says, it's not worth it, lad. And I thought that was great. I'm getting teary thinking about that. It's such a good drama moment of it. It plays with the trope of what you expect to happen in this action-adventure show, uh, but it shows you the character of Scrooge by messing with what you think will happen based on how other action-adventure things happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, there was zero hesitation the second he saw that Donald was in danger. He just. He's there. Even though the first time he's like, move that jalopy <laughs> off my driveway, you deadbeat. Like, yeah, like, it's, it's like poetry. It rhymes. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, George Lucas, wherever you are. I hope you don't listen to this podcast. Um, <laughs> he doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> I think I can say that with, Every amount of certainty. <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. Um, yeah, this, all that. Another excellent moment of rhyming. Anyway, uh, should we talk homework time? Let's. For your homework, we are going to be discussing the Oscar-nominated animated short films. So go watch them. They're available, shorts.tv. Go go there on the internet. (laughs) And then you can actually get them for virtual cinema and watch them for the safety and comfort of your home. You can filter your theater search results for virtual cinema or choose your local arts theater to support. Um, I'm in San Francisco. I like the Roxy. I recommend choosing the Roxy. You can choose from anywhere. You don't have to be in San Francisco. (laughs) Or if you're in Columbus, the Drexel Theater, of course. The Drexel. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But watch those. We're going to be watching them, and then we'll be talking about them. And hopefully this is the year that everyone who listens to our episode has already watched them. Because now they're easy to watch. You don't have to catch them for the two showings on a single day <laughs> in theaters. You could watch them. I, I would definitely had anxiety of like, am I going to go to a movie theater to do podcast homework? <laughs> I'm so glad they're virtual. 
It's not worth it, lad. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. As always, thank you to our engineer, Nigel Cotino, and to Jacob Reed at the Champagne Drops for our theme music. Find us on the web. Let us know what you thought about the DuckTales finale and how wrong we were about anything that we've talked about at WG Animated on Twitter or on Facebook.com and find show notes and our past episodes on writersgetanimated.podbean.com. Life was like a hurricane. Oh, don't pass tense it. That's just so (laughs) sad. (sighs) Good night, everybody.